it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Well, yes. Yes, it is always good to speak about beer. G'day, beer lovers. I'm Radio Brews News co-host Pete Mitchum, and thanks to Cryer Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation, our weekly catch-up with the people who are making the modern beer world such a colourful landscape. In this series, we go beneath the branding to get to the business basics, the marketing tips and tricks, and most importantly, the stories that paint the often unseen picture behind the profile pics of the people who make the beers we know and love to share. This week I snuck into hard road brewing in Victoria before the Victorian government again made it all illegal and pulled up a bar stool with co-founders Brad Merritt and Lane Jenkins. The brewery is about 25 k's from the Melbourne CBD in the city of Knox which is fast becoming a destination for beer lovers along with uh, neighbouring Killer Sprocket, Project Brewing, Beach Hut, That Little Brewery and even a couple of distilleries. Set in an industrial estate but blessed with a gorgeous open clean canvas style space Hard Road is using the government-enforced downtime to make some interior alterations to complement the existing bar and growler refill station already established. A large roller door entry allows food truck parking in cooler weather, and it also means that it makes a light, open and airy space when the summer heat kicks in. Hard Road is the co-project of two expat Californians. Well, as you'll hear, one and a half expat Californians and an Aussie partner each of whom had their own respective breweries up and running, but then hit upon the brainwave of combining their talents and resources to create something bigger and better. It's a story of coincidence meeting opportunity, and in a beautiful twist, the dulcet tones of yours truly were recognised by Lane's partner Angie as we were recording, resulting in a lovely beery reunion of sorts, as well as adding an additional voice to the story. That's what I love about the conversation. Enjoy this one. Lane Jenkins and Brad Merritt, thanks very much for joining us on Beer is a Conversation. Lane? Ah, good day. Thanks for that. G'day, Brad. How you going? Good to see you. You too, mate. Um, it's been a long time between drinks, but um, fill us in. Talk to our, uh, our listeners. Where are we and, uh, and what are we doing here? We're just trying to get back up and running after the COVID thing. And uh, yeah, we've pulled the brewery apart, put it back together, rearranged things. Um, and now it's time to brew again. Now, the history of uh, Hard Road is not just Hard Road. And there'd be plenty of people who say, oh, Brad Merritt, isn't that Oscar's Ale House? Um, but then, Lane, we've also got uh, another connection with Caltoria Brewing. So I'm not exactly sure where we start. So, Brad, maybe talk us through Oscars, because that'll hopefully lead us through to how you and Lane met, and then we can get to the story of uh, Hard Road Brewing. Sure. Well, um, I moved here in 2004 and um, uh, was... Hang on, moved to Bayswater or moved uh, to Australia? Moved to Australia. Yeah, that's right. Um, and up, up in the Dandenong Ranges um, and couldn't find decent craft beer up there and uh, it was a frustration of mine so I actually got into home brewing here um, joined the Melbourne Brewers um, Club um, and in 2008 opened Oscars um, which there was nothing in the area other than uh, Olinda Sellers up there, Ross and um, yeah, ran Oscars for just over a decade, in, and I had a five-year plan of moving into brewing. It took ten, um, <laughs> but I started uh, Gypsy Brewing out of Lane's Brewery, Caltoria, and uh, did that for a few years through the Yelling Bow label, where, where we grow our own hops. Um, and Lane and I and his wife Angie merged um, 2018 end of 2018 that's it yep and uh we opened we opened hard road at the end of 2019 now caltoria i'm at a guess i'd say it's half california half victoria nailed it yeah i was hoping there might be something no it's you know the spirit animal of uh, some native tribe or something like that but it's as simple as it sounds i am a hippie at heart but no um yeah, no, it is, it is as simple as it sounds. Angie and I kicked around, jeez, uh, a thousand names. It's easy to come up with beer names. It's hard to come up with brewery names. So, yeah, we, uh, we, you do the whole Google thing. You, every time you come up with a name, you, you Google that brewery, this brewery, that brewery. 
and uh, believe it or not, Caltoria was the only one not taken. I think it's a state in Mexico, but I don't think they're going to worry about us too much. Unless you start in, uh, exporting. So Caltoria and, and uh, Yellingbo become hard road. How did that come about? Um, well, I met Lane and Angie at a homebrewing um, competition that the Melbourne Brewers used to do at Oscars. Um, and I, they said they were starting to, to put a brewery together. And I said, when you do, just let me know because um, I'm interested in getting my own product out. Um, so that's kind of how we met. Um, it was a few years later, I think, um, when L Lane came to me and said, yeah, we're up and running. If you want to come down and brew here, come down. So, so that's kind of how our relationship started. And Lane, you were saying off mic that uh, originally it was a, a shared space, I guess, with a warehouse. So how did Keltoria come about? And in what I have to say is a very economical use of a very small space. Yeah, man. So, uh, so my background, and I think this is probably a very similar story. My background is an environmental consultant. So you have a lot of scientists, um, environmentalists, uh, what have you, in the brewing industry. My background is environmental consulting. Uh, a couple guys that I used to deal with were... Um, they had a warehouse, uh, they were a drilling company, uh, they were young guys, uh, they asked me what I wanted to do at a safety conference one day, and I said, well, long term, I'm gonna, my wife's working on a brewery, so long term we'll open a brewery, and they said, well, let us know when you're ready, and, um, because we have a massive warehouse, and you, you, you know, you're welcome to have a look, and I said, okay, well, thanks, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it, and about a year later, I, I, I looked around all over the joint, but a, a year later, I, I hit them up. So was Bayswater local for you? Because we're, we're about 25, 26 k's out of the uh, Melbourne CBD, sort of towards the southeast, nestled at the, the foothills of the Dandenong, so not a great deal of distance away from, from Belgrave, from Brad, but was this uh, your stomping ground? Was this your home patch? Yeah, it was, yeah. So we moved, uh, Angie and I moved back over in 2012 from California, and uh, Angie's Australian, I'm uh, from California. Uh, and when we looked at moving back, uh, we went to Google Maps and looked for green close to Melbourne. We found green. That was the Dandenongs. Um, we found, uh, we, we kind of uh, spun the dice and, and pointed at a place uh, in rentals. So we rented a place up in Olinda. Uh, and then, so that's, that's been home. So Olinda, and now, we, now we're on the backside in Monbulk. So yeah, it's always, been, it's always been home on this side. And how long did it take to get over the disappointment that uh, there was no, neither a bay nor water in uh, Bayswater? Well, yeah, there's, there's a couple things that happened that way. But uh, no, I was more interested in the mountain biking trails up in the so I could care less about the bay or the water. I lived in, I lived near the beach long enough. I was all right. Yeah. And look, if you've got to land somewhere, there's worse places you could find to live than Monbulk. Uh, so Keltoria starts up, and it's it's sharing a space. Now that obviously comes with its own set of restrictions and, and limitations. Um, was it one of those fortunate stories where the guys who thought we'll never ever outgrow such a huge warehouse um, did so very quickly? Yeah, they did that exact that exact thing. So uh, it was always a running joke. I mean, we took up 30 square meters in a in a 700 square or 800 square meter warehouse. Um, it was always the running joke. We're just waiting for them to leave um, before we can get really get started. And it's 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 really exactly what happened. We joked about it for years, and then finally they they were too big. Uh, and they needed a new joint, and they bought one four times the size where, and we, we had to either do something with the place or go find another place, and we were already licensed here, and we thought, oh, well, let's just go for it. Now, was there any difficulty, um, just from, a, a, I guess, a, a nuts and bolts perspective, in, was it just the, the 30 square metres or so that was licensed and you then had to just alter an existing licence, or did you have to kind of, uh, I guess, submit that one or relinquish that one and then and then start again. How did the process work? No, it, it was the it was the former. So um, because this place was already licensed, it was just a, um, a revision to an existing license, which made this place uh, very palatable in that sense. Uh, uh, licensing a new venue, we would have been a year, year and a half off from from a from a lease signing date uh, before we could have done anything. Where this place, we all we had we were up and running. Submit uh, revisions. Uh, we keep operating. And then when those come through, that's when we pull out our expansion. And it took us all up, what, six months, Brad? Yeah, probably six months. Um, we, we, did, we did have to go through the, um, the council process as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
that's everybody's favourite thing is going through council processing um, of you know whether it's development applications or you know waste removal and all those sorts of you say that things. very straight faced. <laughs> well, I've heard it so many times. I think I'm probably immune to the you know the shot. And plus, I don't have skin in the game. So for me, it's not it's not something I've ever had to do. But I can I can only imagine uh, how troublesome it is. Does it help you? I guess not being the first kids on the block. Do, was council I guess receptive in terms of okay, we've done this before. We know what to do. Caltoria was the first one on the block in 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 the Knox area. They hadn't done one before. Uh, so they, they had us jumping through some uh, pretty serious uh, food uh, standards where they weren't necessarily applicable because they just didn't know what to do. So we, on the front end of it, we had to uh, jump through every hoop where it didn't really necessarily need to be done that way, but it is and it was. And, and now we're sort of ingrained with that and that's just how we're going forward with it. Talk us through Kaltoria's uh, customer base. What uh, First of all, I guess talk us through the the size and scope of the of the brew house, the brew length, and that sort of thing. Where you're canning, bottling, kegging, and and where was the product going? Yep. Okay. So um, originally, Caltoria opened up. Um, we had a few friends that had pubs in the city. Um, it obviously started there with Amber. I think was that's where we had our opening party, and then that's also where uh, he put us on first. The watering hole up in Olin, uh, yep up in Monbulk. Uh, they actually, they were our first tap. So we, at that time, we were uh, production and production only, kegs only. Um, I I'd made a, a small two-bottle filler, and I thought I was I was really going to uh, rule the world with that. It didn't happen that way, um, and uh, it turned into be a very a very good sample bottle maker. Uh, so we weren't we weren't into package that really limited us. Uh, and yeah, that's that's it. So, sorry, quickly the brew house, which is now Hard Roads Brew House, um, thousand liter brew house. Um, I, I made the brew house out of uh, repurposed milk equipment, as you do. Uh, and then we we bought three new fermenters out of China. Uh, my wife Ange, uh, she went over to China and sat on them for for literally a month in the warehouse, watching them building them and and uh, cracking a whip. And it was good she did, because uh, I'd argue we wouldn't have gotten what we asked for or what we'd signed up for. Um, and she, she made sure that, that, um, that they stuck to the plan, and, and in the end they did. And we got, we got three, uh, three good uh, fermenters. So we spent money on the cold side, saved money on the hot side. Uh, and then, yeah, that's, that's how we kind of got off the ground and got moving with a decent-sized warehouse, or sorry, a decent-sized brew house. And like a genie in a bottle, you summon the name and, uh, and all of a sudden it summons the person, and here's Angie. Yeah, without fail. Hey, Pete, lovely to see you again. I heard your voice and I thought, oh, if only I'd known you here, I would have come in earlier. We, we worked together at Gab's a few times. Yeah, ages ago and then some of the conferences and things like that. Back in the early days. Great to see you again and great to hear your voice too. It's like, oh, that's so relaxing dude. and great to hear that. Um, yeah, the, uh, the trip over to China with these babies, pretty exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to uh, Lane looking after the kids for when I get over there for the extension. It's probably going to be a six-month trip, I'd say, about this yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Angie, was it, was it a conscious decision to feel that you had to, I guess, babysit the process? Because we've all heard the horror stories of, yeah, look, it's really great, um, except the sample taps were fitted on the inside of the fermenter and, uh, and things like that. Um, and I guess a lot of people have, have shared the story that um, if you find the right manufacturer, you can get them to do the right thing, provided they know exactly what it is that you want. Was, was that part of the process for you? Yeah, absolutely. When we went into this, um, we sort of really wanted to go in with our eyes wide open. So when we moved over from the States, Lane slaved away and uh, I was the one doing a lot of the um, the background research and things. So when it came to, to costings, that was something that we were right on top of, knowing what a um, potential money pit breweries can be. Um, so making sure that we weren't um, paying the man constantly, we wanted to be able to, to afford all of it up front. Uh, so we got costings from, we would love to have gone all locally in Australia, but unfortunately... Um, just the money that we had in reserve and knowing that um, most of it does come out of China anyway and gets either rebranded um, or then gets checked over here for insurances and things, we thought we'd actually just go directly over there. Um, so we hunted around for a few different companies, uh, looked for references and things like that. It was pretty tricky to find anyone that was willing to say, yeah, we got our stuff from China. Um, so when we ended up going with the company that we did, um, we decided the best thing to do was actually get somebody to go over there and actually... Um, 
boots on the ground, actually check this stuff out. Uh, so we got in contact with a group that would actually go and do that. Um, however, when we worked out the cost of that and pretty much what they'd be doing, just checking in you know, once every week or whatever, we realised it was probably better off for us to be there babysitting every single weld, um, being able to go actually inside the, um, the vessel itself and, uh, and do all of the testings, um, look for the, um, any minor scratches and things like that and making sure they were sticking to the, the letter of our contract, which, which we did the whole way. Um, I think it was definitely a learning lesson for everybody. Um, I did get the opportunity while Including I was there. Including the manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, that, that seems to be a common thread through the story is that um, we actually found you know, the second time we got the stuff done, it was such a, a, a much easier process because the relationship was established. Okay, this is what you expect. This is what we can deliver. Um, you know, and work it out from there. Yeah, and they were they were great. They honestly did want to do exactly what they promised, and they tried. They brought new equipment <laughs> to test the to test the surface uh, roughness. They they went above and beyond. There's no doubt about that. But physically being there and seeing what their factory had, their capabilities, they they had sort of stepped uh, stepped themselves up a, a few notches, I'd say. Um, so being able to go around and chat with other manufacturers and visit some other areas as well, um, we've, we've come back with a lot of information for when we do expand, who we'll go to instead. I will definitely pop over there for a visit, but we won't need to actually sit there and babysit the whole process. Um, and we do know other groups and other companies now and breweries that have actually used these groups. And I actually did see some exciting plans of other people's new uh, breweries that they kindly showed me at the time. I was like, oh, well, I know. So it was, was nice to see that they were legit. But uh, yeah, there's, there's certainly plenty of opportunities. We'd love to go local with anything and it, it's just finding you know, someone to work with. To and I can imagine there'd be a, quite a number of breweries in Australia um, that have established themselves in the last year or two who would be very thankful for the groundwork that you did uh, and probably owe you a beer as a result of that. Uh, yeah, we'd, we'd certainly, um, we're more than happy to share names and things like that. Um, they're... Uh, but the, the companies to go go with though are, are very reputable looking guys. However, um, and as I was assured by another US company that was there at the same time buying gear, said you just always need to come. You always need to double check, follow up. You know, it's just a, a small flaw, but it can be a major major thing for you guys by the time it's landed at, at your place. So you you want to catch it in um, manufacturing stage. And it's a long way and a, a big box to sort of send stuff back on warranty. Yeah, the, the please return to sender. Not not quite so much. <laughs> All right, so we've got the um, oh, so Caltoria, we've got uh, a thousand ling- uh, thousand, thousand litre, yep, and sorry, a thousand litre brew house, uh, six thousand litres of fermenter space. Um, we have we have yet to double batch anything into our fermenters. So we, so when Angie and I designed the fermenters, uh, we made sure that the the smallest batch we could run was five hundred. That's our first jacket, and then, uh, but we typically brew a thousand litres at a time, uh, and that's that's what's kept us busy so far. Um, and now we now we're into the stage. Uh, coming up in the next week or so will be our first double batch, and we'll be uh, starting that process now. Yeah. And then, uh, much like many breweries outside of the inner city, particularly, we're in an industrial uh, zoned area. It's it's specifically it's it's warehouse, it's manufacturing, and you know commercial and, and all that sort of thing. Um, have you become, I guess, you know, the Friday knockoff um, as Caltoria? No, but we should. Um, th- that was the idea on opening on this, um, was that we would be capturing a lot of the trades we have. Um, there's quite a few that, that do make Thursdays, Fridays, this their, uh, their 3, 4 o'clock uh, start. And then, uh, uh, again, we were only open for trading for about four months. So I don't, um, we're still, our name's still getting, um, getting out there far and wide. Uh, and uh, we definitely will see a stronger uh, tradey presence uh, opening up post-COVID yeah that's it opening up under a uh, few less restrictions I'd argue so we're now I guess at the story where uh, the roads meet pardon the pun but so Caltoria and Yellingbow become hard road rock paper scissors um, pull it out of a hat how did, how did you come up with hard road oh we we laboured for a while about the name um, and I, I think I think we we came to the conclusion of hard road because it's been a hard road for everyone, um, not just us, but any brewery that's starting, you know, a startup. Um, so 
that's that's kind of where the name came from. It suits it suits the craft beer industry, I suppose, in that way. And anyone who followed um, you, I guess, through Oscars and then through the establishment of the the hops and that sort of thing, it was sort of a, a blow by blow, photo by photo, um, and it was certainly like it, it wasn't. I'm just going to throw some uh, rhizomes in a in a couple of pots out on the back porch. This was a, like a proper hop garden. Talk us through. Um, how that came about sure um i was looking into starting my own brewery at that time um and doing it out in yellingbow and um one of the restrictions i suppose put through by council was you need to be a um, primary producer so i i had to grow something in order to set up a brewery there and this is yeah we're talking yarra, yarra, shire yarra rangers i think up that way or is it on this yes. side yep yep yarra rangers shire yep so very similar to what the guys at, at Red Hill had to go through to utilize to, to get the, their brewery up and running, they had to utilize part of their land um, and, and be a, a primary producer as well. That's correct. That was my my interpretation of what needed to happen. Um, I was in the process of starting a a very a nano brewery system out there um, when when we merged. So we've brought that equipment down here to um, to do trial batches with. I know 2020 is always hindsight, or hindsight is always 2020. But do you think uh, it would have been easier doing that model compared to what you're doing now, either in results or in hard work? Well, it was it was on a much smaller scale, and and um, my thinking was to to make kegs for Oscars with the small system, and then come down here as as I had been doing with Yellingbow and, and Gypsy Brewing out of here to to get beer out into the Melbourne market. So we're now at the stage where uh, Kaltoria and Yellingbow have become hard road. Um, what sort of synergies, what sort of, um, uh, I guess, go through the good times and the bad times? Because I'm imagining there must have been some head clashes over whether it's, you know, what core range do we do or how much do we brew or how do we sell it? What do we can, do we bottle, do we keg? Honestly, we, it's been a quite, quite a smooth process. You know, we're all pretty open-minded and... and um and yeah, it hasn't been an issue yet. No, <laughs> no, no. I'd, I'd agree with that. It's been, it's been, um, oh, it's been just dreamy. I tell you. No, it's because um, um, we're just under twelve months. No, November last year officially Hard Road is born. That's correct. Yep. And and look, Brad, Brad, I and Ange, um, outside of minor, um, I, minor aesthetic things, I suppose, with with labels and that sort of business. But but it's so minor as far as brewing goes. Brad and I kind of remind ourselves what we want to brew every week for the following week and it's like what did we talk about last week oh yeah let's try that one and 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 nobody's really fussed we know we know what we're making is good people like it um um the the, the caltori brand and the the brewing is has always been it's been good beer so we it's just sort of whatever you feel like doing honestly um the the stuff that works we do again um and the stuff we we really want to just crank out new beers and it's it's been really pretty good actually brad brad comes up with some awesome names like i'm i check out mentally on the names because i'm burned on them but but brad's <laughs> brad's a stud on names and um and uh that sort of thing so yeah no it's been good let's talk about influences brad you've described yourself as half californian so new york born and bred and then moved to la moved to la yep um i was i moved to la in 91 um, and um, that's sort of where I discovered my love for craft beer because it was happening there at the time um, and was was bartending, so um, had a lot of exposure to it. And um, when, when I moved here, it just sort of evaporated. There wasn't much going on at the time. So, What beers influenced you back then? Oh, um, I, I'd have to say Sierra Nevada. You know, they pretty much... They pretty much had 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 California in a lockdown, you know, as far as as far as beer. Anchor Steam was around. Um, Stone, Stone Stone was just coming around. Um, Rogue, yeah. Um, Widmer up in Portland. I think they were in Portland. I can't remember. Yeah, Widmer, Widmer Brothers, I think, are still going, but I th- either sold or half sold or there's something there but I think they're not quite as, as independent as they so but again um, and probably for them I think they were the first ones that I became aware of as uh, pretty much a, a lager specialty uh, brewery at a time when like you say Sierra Nevada Stone everything was about the hops and it was almost 
um, you know, uh, confusing to, to hear that oh, somebody's concentrating on, I get, you know, traditional sort of styles. To what extent did um, those influences influence the way that you brewed when you came over here? Um, oh, the hop, hop, for, hop forward beers have always been my thing, I suppose. Um, and uh, gr- growing the hops and being able to use them in, in beer is, is um, pretty awesome. We, we get flavors that you just don't find in other beers. Um, so I think that's probably what, what I bring to, to Hard Road is, is the hop the hops thing. Yeah, Brad, Brad's a bit of a magician with hops. He's, he's probably done more reading and um, uh, more, he's got more background knowledge than most, I'd say. He's, he's, he's pretty thorough in what he does. And I think you, you mentioned, you know, his, his build of the, of the hop farm itself. And, and I think that sort of just goes to show what he's willing to put into his product. And, and so, yeah, when he, when, he, when he designs a beer, I, or when we design beers, um, we'll, I'll play with the malt bill and I just give it, I hand it to Brad and he tunes up the, the hops and he loves to try the new stuff and uh, a couple of the, all the, the experimental hops that are out there and he, he's already read about them and he knows how they're going to work and where we're going to put them and all the rest. And Brad, just on the hops, uh, what varieties did you uh, plant? What sort of size, and are you a threat to Hot Products Australia in the near future? No threat at all. Um, we're, we're, we're quite limited to what we can grow here because hops have become proprietary. Um, the, the breeding and, and the creation of new hops um, and, um, and being able to import hops, in rhizomes or whatever, into the country is very strict. So we, we grow what we can here. Um, at, at Yelling Bow, we grow Cascade, Chinook, Columbus, Centennial, Victoria, and Victoria uh, was a hop that HPA bred, um, and we're small scale. Like we we have a couple hundred plants. Um, it's not on a quarter acre. Whether whether we expand or not, you know, we'll we'll see. And and at the risk of speaking in euphemisms, but is it all for personal use? Oh yeah, no. Look, look. I've done a, I've done a few collaboration beers with my hops over the years. Um, one with Mornington Peninsula and one with Kuinda. Um, and yeah, I do sell a little bit out to some people, but really, it's for us. And the idea was initially for you just to to grow hops that you could use in your own beers. That's it. And and while I was getting Yelling Bow up and running, I had all these hops um, just sitting in my in my cool room. So. Um, I've done quite a few um, harvest ales um, with uh, Hargreaves Hill, three years, three years of, of um, fresh hop beers with them, and we did our first this year under Hard Road, and it was amazing. Mm. Such a good beer. And it's a shame, well, it's ironic, isn't it, that this year, I guess, you know, one of the best hop harvests, and then COVID, I guess, sort of shut down a lot of the, the ability for people to get those fresh harvest beers in keg, you know, out to venues as to be drunk as, as the brewer would, would best intend. That's it. We, we pretty much sold it all through here or drank it ourselves. Um, but really, and we, we released that harvest ale the weekend that they closed us. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. In fact, March 28th. The yeah. March 23rd, 23rd was the day we got closed down, and that was the day we brewed the beer. Um, <laughs> so we, 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 what did we have? Did 40 kilos? Did we do 40 kilos of, of wet hops? Um, so we picked them that morning, and they, and they were driven straight to the brewery and straight into the beer. And then uh, we dried, we dried uh, I can't remember, eight kilos, um, which went into the... Um, the dry hop the following week and lane before we move on your what part of california first of all is home home turf yep so southern california and then if you narrow it down again orange county so we're we're about uh, about 25 miles south of la picking my brain out but uh, so coronado um carl strauss is that sort of down that way or have i gone too far south uh, too far south so um so that'll be san diego uh we're Let's see, uh, the brewery, uh, uh, the brewery, if I say it correctly, uh, we were probably closest to those guys, um, if, if you can put them on the map. Uh, so what were your influences? Uh, yep, so uh, Sam Adams, as funny as that may sound, Sam Adams came out with a, a triple Bach, uh, uh, wait for it, back when I was in high school, um, <laughs> and um, that was probably my first exposure to... Um, something completely left of center or right whichever way you're leaning uh and then 
So that was the, my first exposure. So Sam Adams, and then after that, uh, as Brad noted, um, all, all this, uh, the usual suspects there. Sierra Nevada was um, stock standard in our fridge. Uh, their, the pale ale was just, it just sat there. Um, and then after that, it was going to be all your stone variants. Stone was, stone was doing a lot of experimental stuff at the time. We had access to them. They were in Escondido. Um, and every time I had to go, I um, hope my project manager is not listening, but every time I had to go to... Uh, San Diego for work. I um, I could spend some serious lunch times at um, at Stone. Yeah, studying, of course. Indeed. And then uh, yeah, so Stone. Uh, my I think my mom bought me the first Stone beer, which was Arrogant Bastard, um, and she just thought the name was hilarious. And um, and she she saw it in the shop, and she's like, oh, that sounds like Lane. Here you go. And, uh, and it's good that she deemed you worthy. Oh, that's <laughs> apparently, that's exactly right. My mom always deems me worthy. Are you kidding me? Uh, ask Angie. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that's, that's, the, that's the basic background of my, my beer experience. And were you both homebrewing over in the States? Yep, yep. So Angie, it was, it was um, so, f- well, sorry. Uh, for I wasn't. I, oh, I started okay. homebrewing here um, just because I couldn't find beer that I wanted to drink, really. So yours wasn't a, the, the science or the technical sort of background, Brad? No, it was just the desire to, to have a, f- a flavour some beer, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, so, okay, so we're, we're now uh, back, at, back at Hard Road. To what extent do you think those influences have influenced the, or informed, you know, the beer choice that we have here at Hard Road here and now? Yeah, so all of our, so all of Caltori's original recipes were probably... Um, designed in and around those those beers that I love to drink in California and and again they're the same beers that Brad was on to as well um, so a lot of my malt bases or my malt bills were all that direction so very very heavy malt big big alcohol numbers typically um, because it didn't matter so much in California here it's it's very different so we, we really had to tune up our recipes and and uh, bring that bring that alcohol content down to some degree is that purely from an excise point of view so it's re- it just comes down to dollars or or, or is it more the market uh, more the market it's um it, um we've and this is my understanding of it um over in california you're 0.08 on your driving range um and then that's kind of wishy-washy anyway they're um we're here it's 0.05 and they're they're very strict about it and i think that's where it really comes from um just trying to keep the beer consumption industry the, the folks that are drinking beer they want, my understanding is they want quantity of styles, not quantity of, of volume, I suppose, um, where that might be a little bit different in California or the States. Uh, they could definitely get away with some more volume along with ABV. And that obviously influences, if you like, the hospitality or the cellar door, the tap room uh, side of things. So is it uh, a takeaway available? Um, was that part of the plan? I know you've got uh, packaging coming because, I'm sorry, I'm guessing because you mentioned getting labels I'm assuming you get labels to do packaging um, but does that influence I guess you know uh, if people are going to just drink here then you're not going to have you know eight and a half percent and up as your as your sort of standard fare uh, not as our standard fare we've funny enough I mean if you look across our board most of our stuff lands in and around fives and uh, high fours uh, mid fives we've had a few seven percents through um, and they go just as well as anything else. So, um, no, look, takeaways, we, we're, sque- we're squealers and growlers like everybody else. And, um, no, I don't, I don't think that the, the ABV typically influences us in that direction. It's just what people, uh, it's just kind of where we, we like to land. It seems a very uh, tolerable number for, for, for a few schooners. Now, we touched a little bit before on you know, the fact that COVID has, um, I guess, if we turn red thoughts into green thoughts, it's given us an opportunity to, for, for a lot of places to, I guess, um, renovate, to refurbish, to uh, reassess perhaps what they do. Talk us through, I guess, how the whole situation has, has affected you guys. Because I guess, look, you know, if there is a positive to come out of it, at least we're all affected the same way. So it's not like, a, well, a small brewery gets hit differently to a big brewery. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. So um, talk us through the, uh, I, I guess, what um, you've had to reassess and, and what you've sort of done in terms of changing the business model or, or, or changing the brewery. Uh, well, you know, we were open for four months. Um, we were just starting to get kegs out into the city. We were just starting to get the brew pub pumping, you know, 20 taps of beer. Um, and um, and then, yeah, shut down. So 
we've we've taken the time to totally renovate and move things around in the brewery and sort of just plan and prepare for for getting back to normal and that's yeah and that's it so the the, the weekend we shut down obviously you, you transitioned directly into um takeaway sales that was all we had and brad was a brad was a um, an absolute ninja on that he um we have a we have a social media um, group that we work with and and she was amazing she jumped straight in and and got us a a, a sales our online sales going um brad was uh, i think open for sales open for growler takeaways the following weekend yep. so um we had a, we had a we had a really local following and they they were looking forward to still drinking and they and they certainly did their part and they they really looked after us what sort of quantity and what uh like number of of different beers did you have to uh, i guess to move well, we opened with 11. Yeah, we opened with 11. We opened with 11. I think we got up to 13, yeah. and now we're down to <laughs> seven or six. <laughs> yeah, so got a brew. Yeah, we, 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 we punched through some beer. Um, every time we walked into the, in, into the cool room over the last three months, um, we were just selling growlers and squealers, but like I say, the, everybody locally was doing their job, and, and they, were, they were punching through some of the beers. The harvest ale went quick. Um, anything new we produced over the break, sorry, the break, the shutdown, uh, really went quick, um, but really we've, we've punched through a lot. Because I guess, too, that a lot of the regulars would have been, uh, perhaps had to have shut down as well, so it's not like you could sort of rely on passing trade. Social media, obviously, was, was really your, your lifeline to the public. Yeah. And... and, um, and Boy, we've we've sold a lot of growlers over the time. The glass, even just the glass itself. Yeah. I can't. I mean, we just kept running out, and now there's you now can't get them anymore. So yeah, it's um it's been a it's been a fun it's been a fun little ride over the last three months, uh, nail biting but fun. And then after that, we we moved straight. When we opened the brewery in November, we obviously didn't tick off everything on our list. Um, we we just needed to get open, so we did. Um, we had a lot to do in here, and we've now pretty well completed what we wanted to get done we've got a we got a uh, heating and cooling put in uh, so that'll help us out in the in the both summers and winters uh, we got a lot of the tables finished up we got the back of the brewery painted and then we opened up the brewery to the public um, for every you know if you want to come to a brewery you want to see stainless and now you can see stainless in my terrible welding so that that wasn't I guess a, a showpiece initially back in November when you opened that's something you've you've been able to do with the downtime, yeah, that's it exactly. It was just it was just a big brown box, effectively in our in a in a in a nice looking pub, I suppose. Uh, and now it's now it's it's now the folks can see what what we're actually doing back there and watching me trip over hoses. How important is that? Um, just in terms of that, I guess you know, uh, being able to see where the beer comes from. Oh man, when I when when Angie and I did a lot of traveling, and whenever we'd travel, we'd go into a brewery, and you want to see stainless, you want to see what they're doing, you want to know that that. That beer is produced there. There was nothing better than going into a place and actually smelling um, a mash going or, or a boil going. That's just awesome. And then, and then, and then when I'm brewing on the uh, when we were open, when I was brewing on the weekends, and when we'd throw in uh, throw in hops, it's just it was great. You could just invite people in and go, dude, smell that. That just <laughs> smells awesome. Just get your head in there, and and people loved it. And but it was just through a, it was through a roller door that they could see it. Now it's on. You know, now it's now it's going to be something else. So, do you think some of those sort of changes uh, will affect how you um, go forward in terms of you know what money you'll dedicate to? I guess you know putting into the place that perhaps you wouldn't have before. Aesthetics. Um, I was trying to think of a nice word. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, in a, we're in a factory, so the, it, it's always going to be a factory. But, but I, and I didn't mean that disparagingly. But, but just in terms of, do you think now you would look at the the hospitality offering different differently to how you would have looked at it before? Oh, what do you think, Ange? I think as far as looking to see what is missing from here, the only thing I could think of would be food. If we had a lovely pizza, you know, wood-fired pizza oven in the corner, spot on. But I think as far as what the food vans are bringing in that we host mm. every now and then, and you've got that variety as well, which is great. And the Could never customers. Keep up with the variety of the food vans that we're getting in. They've, we've got some great food processed through. So it's, um, yeah, I think that's probably more it. If we were going to dedicate our time and energy to something, it might be a kitchen. But 
And maybe a bigger still. That was the next thing to come along when we got the COVID. I was like, whoa. So my other passion is, of course, a few uh, (coughs) spirit beverages every now and then, slip in when the boys aren't looking. But, uh, yeah, so we we picked up one and uh, got on the sanitizer bandwagon as well. Um, and uh, now, well, it's started to calm down a little bit, so we can finally get round to those gins, vodkas, and uh, start to brew the whiskies. So, well, your neighbour and uh, compatriot, uh, Braden Beggs, down at uh, Project Brewing, uh, similar sort of thing. He's, you know, mechanical engineering bent, um, and similar sort of thing. You know, like just finding old milk equipment and stuff like that, and has cobbled together a bit of a still. Was that part of the plan, or again, was that something that, that came about because of necessity? No, man, not part of the plan. Angie's wanted one first since we've opened, and um, it's everything I can do to, to get this, keep this brewery doing what it's supposed to be doing because I built it. So um, I, I could not, I, I had no mental capacity to, to learn a new process and to get another process going in here. And, um, but Angie was adamant. She can be very convincing. And, and, and COVID, it was a lateral move too, you know. We, all, all bets were off, anything goes. That's right. Yep. Now you've also got uh, Tiny Bear and Bakery Hill I think is yep. close yep. by as, as well so um, we, we spoke before about um, uh, you know a crowd brings a crowd and sometimes you know all of a sudden precincts kind of develop what is it with the outer east of Melbourne all of a sudden and Bayswater in particular that we've now got you know the city of Knox has got you know half a dozen breweries and, and distilleries all of a sudden I think it's just the public um, smartening up to, to decent product you know, and they've created the demand. It's just we're filling we're filling those holes now. Do you think maybe that um, COVID has also given people a refreshed and perhaps renewed um, outlook on the importance of of local? Um, obviously, if you want to go into the city, living out here as I've done all my life, you've either got to commit to public transport, which obviously is problematic at the moment because you don't know if you're going to get on a train and it's going to be you know as full as a fat lady sock or you're going to have a carriage to yourself so you take the risk of driving you're then committing yourself to like you say the 0.05 thing i'm going to have one and a, and a mid strength um so that i guess then says you know local's easier because you know maybe i can get my long-suffering missus to to drive me and and <laughs> pick me up or you know um convert some of those many hours of driving lessons that i've given my eldest into you know coming and picking dad up now and you know doing that sort of thing i've always believed in local you know just even with oscars you know i had to create something up in belgrave um and um people are there they they want local yeah it's it's, it's certainly um it's it's certainly better than than driving or, or taking public transport into the city. But I used to do that from, um, from, from the hills. I'd take, take the train into the city and do a big pub crawl and, and stumble back on the, onto the train to get home. Um, it just, it's just better to do it locally. Uh, interesting, you talk about, uh, you and Angie talking about you know, the possibility of maybe getting a, a kitchen in, and we were talking before off mic about getting people in to do the things that you don't do well, or you know, like don't, don't try and be everything to, to everyone. Sometimes you've just got to say, yeah, okay, we get somebody else to, who's really good at this to do that. Would that be something you'd think about? Because at the end of the day, hospitality is very different to, it's a very different passion to the passion involved in brewing or mechanical engineering or setting up a bar or being a, a business owner. Once you get into that side of things, it's just a very different sort of ball game. It is, and, and Angie's sister has a, a restaurant, and we've, we've, we've taken a lot away from that, and it's, it's um, well, they're, they're quite successful at it. It's also, uh, it's a whole business unto itself. <clears throat> I'm quite comfortable having folks in to do the cooking for us and they manage their own licensing and so on and so forth uh, where it leaves us Brad and I and Ange to to manage a brewery and a and a and a and a a tap room and I think that's really where we're gonna we're gonna continue our focus for the moment. Talk us through the staffing is it just the three of you? Woohoo! We did have um, we do have a rock star in our back pocket. Um, we're not able to take anybody on at the moment, but um, I think most of the folks that have been in here would have would have met Adam, um, and he is he is our rock star. So, um, but right now it's it's just the three of us, and yeah, we'll be managing uh, with ourselves until uh, until restrictions back off and and we can party on. And of course, being in Victoria, that's uh, we throw that into the who knows 
bucket and uh, it, it's sort of changing week to week. But if we can polish the crystal ball and look ahead, where do you see Hard Road in the next 12 months and then, say, maybe five years down the track after that? Yeah, look, so we just, um, thanks, to, uh, thanks to a local brewery, we picked up a, uh, a, a small canning rig and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna make our fingers bleed with that for a little while so package is going to be our next focus uh getting out there a little farther a little wider i know our rep is um our rep is just stamping his feet for package because uh, that's the only thing going at the moment um, and so look 12 months i'd like to uh see the ass end of that one and uh, see a fresh canning line in <laughs> would be my now you just said you don't have any staff but but you've got a rep who's how does that work okay so yeah so uh the way the rep works he's effectively uh, a commission-based rep um he's well known uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you want to throw names but he's he's okay so we yeah so there you go so we use um hemlock distribution um, and he's he's well known in the city, uh, and he he just looks he just keeps asking for beer and whether we have it or not. And right now the answer is uh, a polite no. Um, but Which is well, it's two good problems to have. One, he, he's only on the payroll when he's making money sure. for you. Um, do you think that was something? Once you get packaged product, is that something you'll you'll stick with? Does it does that model? I guess help to keep you sustainable. I think so. Yeah, it's probably probably spend uh, look. I think I think I think Hemlock's awesome value for what they what he offers and um, uh, for the moment, yeah, I haven't I haven't put too much thought into moving anywhere really. That that sounds like a that sounds like a, a model that we'll be using for the for the foreseeable future that I can see at the moment. Yep. We'll have to we'll have to look for some we'll have to look for additional work or uh, additional representation outside of Victoria, I'd say. Uh, but right now, Victoria, that's what we're focusing on, and definitely the eastern side. And only because one of my very odd um, but very keenly um, sought after um, pursuits is tracking where brew houses started and where they end up and how many hands they've been through and, and that sort of thing. Uh, whereabouts did the, the bottling line, is it bottling or canning line? So, line. And where did that come from? Uh, that came from our good friends over at Bojack. And they were, um, I don't think he had it listed. I think um, Brad, I think Brad sort of found that one, didn't you? Yeah, he um, he hadn't he hadn't listed it for sale yet, but you you heard we heard through the grapevine that there might be one down there. So um, yeah, we inquired and it was there and it was for sale. Just for next time, feel free to um, you know, run it through uh, Brews News uh, through our classifieds. Just to you know throw <laughs> throw a brother a bone. Well, we're we're hoping to to put this on for sale in in yeah, a we'll, we'll, we'll give you yeah time we'll give you. Well, I was going to say, how long realistically do you think? It's Bojack either outgrown it or got a better offer in we'll under twelve months. What What do you guys think? We'll quickly, we, I mean, we already know that, but we need to get something on the shelf. So, so and, and in an economical way, which exactly. this was, it's it's going to be labor intensive, but it's economical, and that's the hard road, right? Exactly, uh, and I guess that, that touches on something that I think I love about this: uh, the beer community, um, as a, as opposed to the beer industry, is it's that collaborative sort of spirit it's the fact that you know we're all competitors at the end of the day once our product gets onto the shelves or you know we're, we're trying to get people down to our, our, our regions or whatever but at the end of the day we're also collaborators and I doubt that there'd be many other industries where um, people would be saying hey you've finished with that bit of equipment you know can I buy it off you and that sort of thing I think I think that's something that's really nice it is yeah um that's okay. Look, so that's that's one of the reasons. That's one of the exact reasons why Angie and I. Uh, so back in California, Angie and I um, kind of got into the beer community there. Um, it was such a fun community. It was such an open community. Everybody was um, basically patting everybody else on the back when they came out with an awesome beer. And it was. I mean, you can imagine the the, the breweries and the competition over there. Um, but it was everybody was open. It was just awesome. And Angie and I kind of thought then we're like, well, that's kind of a party so um, and it was something Angie and I could do and that's exactly why we got in because it is just that open of a of a of an industry and it didn't nothing changed here it was exactly the same in Australia so uh, and potentially even more so and it just I guess gives um, guys of, of your size a little bit more flexibility like you say Brad in, in terms of you need to get product out there you don't have to wait for something to you know spend three months on the water and then hopefully get through customs and then paying all the excise and, and all the rest of the rigmarole. And we went down that track we, we got quotes and, and um, went to the bank about um, financing and all of that stuff and um, it was just it was going to be a very expensive and and, and um, long drawn out process so um, better to just 
get something that's local and and um, go down and or actually they brought it up to us, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. yeah we didn't even have to pick it up. That's so, awesome. um, thanks, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we we can we can we can start canning immediately. Thumbs out. That's right. So we're uh, the beginning of July as we record this. Um, it'll probably be middle of July or so by the time um, it gets edited and put into the queue and people are listening to it. When will we be able to see hard road cans on the market? We were we were hoping end of this month, but realistically, we're looking at August, so not too far. Mm. Yeah, we have a we already we already know it's we're we're, we're going to be using current stock. Uh, on the front end, we're brewing a couple beers to to can off the front front end as well. Uh, so it's just a matter of um, a couple of those stars aligning. Well, as I say, we hope that um, by the time certainly this podcast is out, uh, or if not too much afterwards, we have you know stepped out of these uh, unprecedented times, the uncharted borders, and somewhere towards whatever the new normal looks like. Uh, and hopefully, you know, on um, now that give us a plug. When are we open to the public um, as the as the tap room? Um, so we're open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for um, for 20, 20 person seatings. Um, that's all being done through booking on our website online. Um, other than that, we're open Wednesday to Sunday for growler and, and squealer fills. We we fill corny kegs. We we'll, if you bring something in, we'll fill it. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how we are at the moment. Yep. And then, uh, and then, when all the good folks are hearing this, what's our normal hours? Thursday to Sunday, we'll be open to the public, on the, with the brew pub. Um, I can't even remember what <laughs> our hours. I think I think it was from three o'clock. I think it was from three yeah, to eleven. Yeah, three to eleven. You know, it's that was a trick question, and yeah. you failed that one. We'll put it in, we'll put it in the show notes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You can quote me on that one. <laughs> now I could almost hear a collective sigh of relief from uh, all of the. Uh, the guys in overalls and high vis um, just outside the walls there, knowing that you'd be able to open again. And look, on that note, uh, Lane and Brad, thanks very much, and all the best for Hard Road Brewing. Thanks very much for joining us on Beer is a Conversation. My pleasure, Peter. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks again for coming in. And that was Brad Merritt, Lane Jenkins, and Andy Jenkins from Hard Road Brewing. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and are a proud sponsor of Beer as a Conversation. Now don't forget, if you like Brews News, you can throw us a bone in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, drop a few shekels in the cup or leave a one-off bag of cash, small unmarked bills please, or review, hit the like button, subscribe, hit the bell, heart us, whatever you cool kids do nowadays to show your appreciation all the details are in the show notes and i know that some of you do read the show notes and for that i thank you